All right, it's our top 15 tight ends going into draft season next on The Flex. You are now listening to The Flex on the Fantasy Holics Podcast Network. Subscribe now and tune in every week for all the advice you need to win your fantasy football league. And now, your hosts, Josh Rodriguez and AJ Kelly. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Flex, presented by Fantasyholics, your new go-to podcast for redraft leagues. Today, we give you our top 15 tight ends heading into draft season. But before we do that, you can follow Fantasyholics on Facebook. Just search Fantasyholics on Twitter at Fantasyholics1, Instagram and TikTok at Podcast, And it's not just us on the network be sure to tune into the Fat Boys Dynasty podcast for all of your dynasty needs. And Seth Berger hosts Defense Wins Fantasy, a.k.a. DWF, for IDP leagues. More shows on the way. Stay tuned. Make sure you like. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you give five stars. Make sure you leave a review. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just type in Fantasy Hogs Podcast Network, and you will find us doing live mock drafts. Hopefully a live start sit show on Sundays to help you out for your fantasy football leagues and all that good stuff. I'm Josh Rodriguez, joined by AJ Kelly. AJ, how you doing, man? Josh, I am doing great because today is officially the kickoff of the 2022 NFL season with the Hall of Fame game. It is. That's right. Oh my goodness. The Jacksons and Rangers today. It feels like we're in like some sort of anonymous group, NFL fans anonymous, where it's like, hi, I'm my name's AJ and I'm watching the Hall of Fame game. Like that's <laughs> what. No, the anonymous would be like, hi, I'm AJ and I bet on the Hall of Fame game. Yeah. The preseason's <laughs> here next week. Obviously all the games get into swing. The Hall of Fame games to warm up. Nobody really big on the field, but it's still no. exciting to see NFL, to see NFL football. And it's, it's just, it's back. It's exciting, man. Officially it's ex- say that it's back now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I know it's no secret here. I said on the podcast before, I'm a big hoops head, and it takes me a little bit to transition into the football season, but it's finally starting to click for me. I'm really excited. And we are back with another top 15 list. Today it's tight ends, but before we get into that, let's do something that we like to call the 10-minute drill. It's a 10-minute drill. First of all, before we even get started with it, this is the name of a podcast that AJ and I had on the Anchor app, and the Anchor app actually used to be a platform or like a radio station. It wasn't what it is now where you just upload your podcast, and AJ and I at one point actually had the top sports podcast on the Anchor app, so shout out to us, AJ. We are pioneers. Shout out to us. Shout out to Anchor. 10-minute drill. Bring it back. Yes, sir. And this segment is dedicated to that show, but it's also a segment where we go no huddle for 10 minutes and break down the latest headlines across the NFL from a fantasy football perspective. So let's do this. Put 10 minutes in the clock. Let's get to it. First headline, James Washington goes down. He fractures his foot. He's going to be out six to 10 weeks reportedly is the early diagnosis. AJ, what do you think about this injury? How does this affect any Dallas Cowboy on that roster from a fantasy football perspective? I don't think it's a massive hit by itself. I was already high on Lamb, like we talked about on last week's episode. I was high on him. You weren't. So maybe you're, if anything, now moving <laughs> up a little bit. We'll talk about Dalton Schultz in the in our tight end rankings later. But, you know, Jalen Tolbert's just going to get thrust into action more here. But I think you're still going to see the Dallas offense handle it with what they have. You know, you know Dak is comfortable with Lamb and Schultz. Yeah, they lost Amari Cooper. Maybe that's where the James Washington targets were going to go. They still have Gallup, who's a very capable receiver, whether he's going to miss some time in the beginning of the year or when he's going to really get up to, up to full speed. But the rumors out of camp are they're running Pollard out of the slots. So if they're putting Pollard in there, maybe Pollard and Zeke are getting on the field at the same time more. So honestly, I think if anything – Pollard is the guy to look out for here. Yep. I think that might be a guy where you're seeing more action go to him 
because you saw him be a dynamic playmaker last year. So I think maybe he's the main beneficiary of this as opposed as opposed to Jalen Tolbert, who might be now in the starting wide receiver slot instead of James Washington. Man, you took the words right out of my mouth. I'm actually kind of uh, mad that you took my hot takes there. I think Tony Pollard benefits the most from this. I do think they trust him to line up in the slot and uh, see some receptions out of there. I mean, you can obviously run him and Zeke out of the backfield, but I do think this might accidentally add a different dimension to the Cowboys offense that maybe they weren't willing to try with James Washington out there. Not that James Washington's like this all-pro wide receiver, but, you know, he was finally getting a chance in Dallas, and, you know, this— is going to cause them to be a little more creative. And I think Tony Pollard is definitely the beneficiary there. You know, Gallup to me, I think he's a, a decent wide receiver too. His health is a little bit in question right now. You know, maybe I might be wrong about CD Lamb, man. Maybe Dak forces it to CD a little bit. I, I don't know. I, I could be wrong there. I wanted to ask you this, AJ, with Odell Beckham sitting on the sidelines. If you're the Cowboys, do you, do you, you make a phone call to Odell? I don't think you have to force it. I think you're comfortable with the offense that you're going to have. I mean, they spent the third-round pick on Jalen Tolbert, but maybe that's something that, you know, he tore his ACL in February. So he's not he's not going to be coming in, and he's not going to be red-hot and instant impact right away. You know, he's still going to take some time to get up to speed, whereas if you're the Cowboys, you have high aspirations where I think they are going to find other ways to fill the uh, production in-house, if you will, without kind of bringing that in and, and trying to force it. I still think Odell ends up back in L.A., all right, next up, we have Jimmy G. Watch. He's linked right now to the Seahawks, the Giants, the Texans, the Dolphins, and even with Deshaun Watson only having a six-game suspension as of now, for some reason, I, I'm seeing Jimmy G. linked to the Browns. My question to you, AJ, is what team would you like to see Jimmy G. go to so he can bolster that fantasy value of that particular team? Believe it or not, it's in the division. I would like to see him go to Seattle what he would bring over Geno Smith and Drew Locke, what he takes to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Not only that, what he does for potentially Rashad Penny or Kenneth Walker. So I think you look at the rest of the teams and I look at those offenses and I'm like, okay, I think Daniel Jones, they want to give him another shot from a perspective of saying, can he be the franchise guy? So I don't think it makes sense to go to the Giants unless Jimmy G is going to be the backup there. Then you have a capable backup if you think you want to be a competitive team. But, you know, you look at Seattle, I think they're kind of treading water. And I think from a fantasy perspective, I think what he would do for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and the run game there. I actually like Davis Mills in Houston. I think, you know, Brandon Cooks was really productive with him last year. So I think Houston wants to give him another shot. Davis Mills, if you're in a two QB league right there, that's probably a guy you might, you're not getting getting for free at the end of a draft, but that's a QB two sleeper. That's a QB two. He almost made our undervalued Uh, list. We we were contemplating putting him on there. But his ADP was like 220. Let's let's not get crazy here. But I still think Houston wants to give him another shot. And it's the same thing with that. If you have these young players that are on the borderline of a franchise quarterback, you want to give them that year. The Texans know they're not winning the Super Bowl, right? right? So give Davis Mills the shot. But I think Jimmy G in Seattle is probably the best bet fantasy-wise. I like Jimmy G with the Giants, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Giants fan, but I do think it just makes that offense a little more respectable. I do think it would make me more comfortable to draft someone like Darius Toney because I do think he has a lot of ability. And what I saw last year from him, even though he was hurt and he kind of derailed his own season with his own actions, I liked what I saw from Tony. He just needs to get the ball in the right spots. And 
Not that Jimmy G is, you know, this all-world quarterback, but he's definitely better than Daniel Jones. So I do think if he heads to the Giants, Jimmy G's your starting quarterback, period. You don't trade for Jimmy G if you're not going to start him. And I think it helps Saquon out a little bit, too, because now you have to respect the pass just a little bit more. You know, I'm not saying that defenses are scared of Jimmy G, but there's a little bit more respect there going his way than it is to Daniel Jones. And Jones is a, more of a running threat than Jimmy G. I understand that. But Jimmy could still throw out of the pocket, and I think someone like Galladay can use that Someone like Kadarius Tony can use that. I, I feel like he would bolster the value of the Giants wide receiver core and, and Saquon because the Giants do have talent uh, on the opposite end of the football. It's just, you know, that line, what, what's that going to look like? And also quarterback play. And I feel like there's a lot of players out there who are just dying out in New York or New Jersey because of quarterback play. And it's, it's a shame. There's, there's a lot of fantasy points that are just being laid out in the field, man. It's a shame. Daniel Jones is going to bring him out this year, I think. The O-line's going to get better. Saquon healthy. I don't know if you're being sarcastic. Are you being sarcastic? Are you, are you serious? I think he's going to bring him out. I don't think he's going to, like, light the world on fire, but I think he's going to be better than last year. <laughs> okay. No, okay. like, no, like, Daniel Jones, QB1 overall take here. But, like, but, respectable. Like, I think like, he's uh, going to be... He's yeah. a streamer. He's a stream star yeah. type of thing. I think, res- think respectable is the perfect word. All right. And finally, Baker Mayfield is reportedly killing it in camp. Now, this is supposed to be... Uh, QB competition between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. It's already seeing, seeming like Baker Mayfield has the upper hand here. So two-part question. A, do you think Baker's a starter week one? And B, what does that do for the value of your Christian McCaffrey's, of your DJ Moore's? A, answer yes. I think Baker's the starter week one. I think Baker was the starter week one the second they traded for him. I think Rule's trying to save his job. He knows what he has in Darnold. He says, no, if I want to actually do something, I'm going to go out and get Baker. And that, that decision was made. At that moment, I think they could say it was a QB competition, but it feels like it was more of a close and shut. Baker's going to be our starter. And I think it makes him from a fantasy perspective better than Donald. DJ Moore was my wide receiver 11 overall yeah. last week on the wide on our wide receiver episode. Some of that was because of going to get Baker. You talk about Jimmy G would elevate the Giants to the next level offensively. I think Baker can do that for Carolina. Obviously, a healthy Christian McCaffrey goes a long way for that offense. But I think Baker can do that for, for DJ Moore, for Terrace Marshall, for Christian McCaffrey. I think they can make some of these guys, you know, maybe he makes Terrace Marshall fantasy relevant and he maybe. takes Jay Moore and Christian McCaffrey up to that next level. I'm not sure what the next level is for Christian McCaffrey as he's already the RB1 almost. But, uh, you know, if he could stay healthy with Baker, take some pressure off of Christian McCaffrey, I think that's the best course of action no, for I agree the Carolina with you. offense. And I'm interested to see what he looks like under rule. I mean, they have talent, too. I just talk with the Giants having talent on that side of the ball, but so do the Panthers. You know, DJ Moore, Terrence Marshall is talented, and so is Robbie Anderson. I think some people forget about him. He was fantasy relevant about two years ago, um, and this is without great quarterback play, so I think it's possible that he could be fantasy relevant, maybe a flex play with Baker Mayfield, depending on how that offense looks. Christian McCaffrey is going to be Christian McCaffrey as long as he's healthy. You know, he's going to see his touches, so I don't think he does anything there except maybe you know he sees more pay dirt for the simple fact that the offense is moving the ball better so for me i'm with you i'm in agreement i think baker mayfield was a starter from the beginning once they traded for him you're starting him you're not going to trade for him just to have him win the quarterback competition that makes no sense and i think the panthers and fantasy owners of panthers position players are going to be better off for it all right that does it for the 10 minute drill three topics nice and quick aj we did it man touchdown Touchdown. There it is. Move the ball <laughs> down the field. Very simple. Very simple. All right. Let's move on to our tight end rankings. It's our top 15. AJ and I are going to go back and forth from 15 to 11. 
then give you our 10 through 6, and then our 5 through 1. I'll kick things off. Number 15, I have Pat Fryermuth. I like him a lot. I think he's a beast with the right quarterback. I think he can be a top eight, seven-ish type tight end in the right system with the right quarterback. The problem is you have Mitch Trubisky going over 16 in training camp, so <laughs> it's kind of hard to imagine Fryer move having any type of consistent fantasy relevance despite his talents and you know that Steeler offense doing anything except giving Harris the football. So for me, although I like him, I don't think he's better than anything but a stream start. What do you got at number 15? My 15 is Mike Kosicki. The best way I can describe it is I think the idea of Mike Gesicki is better than Mike Gesicki has actually been. Uh, like, Mike, you see him make so many crazy athletic plays. One-handed catches. catches. One-handed <laughs> yeah. catches, right? He makes, he makes so many of those. And, yeah, the production last year, you look at it, 73 catches, 780 yards, but only two touchdowns. It's yeah. like the idea of him where it's like, oh, wow, what, what a great player. What a, what a great play or what a great game he's having. And it's like, no, nah, it's really – not that great and then you bring in Tyreek Hill you bring in the emergence of Jalen Waddle he had two touchdowns last year more touchdowns are going to go to Tyreek Hill now so mm. where, how's he going to gain in touchdowns but tight ends a position where his athleticism the explode the potential explosiveness of the offense if two is going to take that next step keep him at, at 15 for me all right let's move on to number 14 AJ what you got my 14 is Pat Fryermuth right there okay. you're you're 15. So we're right in line on him. I'm so glad you said it about Trubisky going over, going over 16 in a stretch <laughs> because what's not great for a tight end there. That was a good red zone target. Only had 497 yards last year, but seven touchdowns. So that's seven oh. touchdowns. That's, that's luscious because that's a red zone. That's a, a great red zone target right oh. there. And you got a quarterback going over 16 on plays from the two yard line. That's not ideal. So oh, who knows? Disgusting. We'll see what happens. Maybe Pickett wins the job just because Mitch goes over 16. But they were saying Mitch is still leaps and bounds ahead, which is understandable. Pickett's a rookie. Give him some time. But if Trubisky's going to be the quarterback, you really hope he's got to step into the role there a little bit and start hitting some of those red zone throws, some of those short throws, because that's where Fryermuth's going to excel. And that's where I have him at 14. I think he uh, same, hovers around the same amount of catches this year, maybe a little bit more, more yards. But I think around the same touchdowns, maybe one or two less. All right, and at number 14, I have Tyler Higby of the LA Rams. He had 85 targets last year, 61 receptions. Not too sexy, but five touchdowns, and I do think he is – uh, he does have this chemistry of Matthew Stafford. I think we started seeing that towards the end of the year when he got hurt in the Super Bowl. It was kind of a big deal because I feel like everybody had hunches that he was going to have a big game. I think it took a while to kind of get that chemistry with Matt and maybe get incorporated and, and have all of that. But towards the end of the season, he seemed to be coming on strong. So I like Tyler enough where I can comfortably place him in at number 14, maybe not over some of the other players that I have, but definitely a very, very comfortable streaming start in a high powered offense that at any given moment, you know, you can hit one up the seam and, and get a touchdown. So I like him this year. Definitely has a stream start. Number 13. What do you got AJ? My number 13 is Irv Smith jr. Didn't play last year, but I think you look at what the Minnesota offense could be. And I liked Irv Smith last year. He was actually, uh, I waited on tight end, waited on tight end, waited on tight end. in one of my drafts drafted Irv Smith was super excited about it. Night of the draft is when he got hurt ends up being done for the year. But I think he has a lot of upside in that offense this year where you're going to see they bring in O'Connell to be the head coach, obviously Jefferson and Thielen. But I think uh, Cousins is going to have an, a nice safety blanket in Irv Smith where he can take that offense to a next level and hopefully he can stay healthy because I had a lot of hope for him next year or last year. 
and that hope just rolled right over into this year with his health. Okay, and at number 13, I have Zach Ertz. It's not because of his ability. It's more just because I feel like that Arizona passing offense is still very random to me. I can't get a hold on Kyler Murray and who gets what and when and and why. They're very, I wouldn't say gimmicky, but they're, you know, there's a lot of motion in that offense and doesn't seem to be very predictable. And I'm just uncomfortable putting him higher than any other player here on the list. I like Zach a lot. I think there's going to be a few times where he has big games this year. He did have um, 81 targets in his time with Arizona, which was 11 games and three touchdowns. So I do think this might be his floor, and I'm putting that as floor, which might be unfair to him. He does have a higher ceiling. I'm just not willing to take him that high. In at number 12, I have Albert Okuwebunam. Is that how you say it? Okuwebunam. Nailed it. Let's go! Big Albert O. <laughs> Albert O, baby. This more has everything to do with Russell Wilson. I mean, he doesn't – Albert Albert O doesn't really have the stats for me to push a reason why that I would be uh, rating him this high. He only has three touchdowns in his career. It's not like, you know, he showed out. But I do think that offense gets a huge upgrade – I do think with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, when you have two receivers who can do different things, that always opens up the seam, always does. And I think, you know, whether it was Disley or Olsen, whatever whatever tight end Russell Wilson has had, they never really, you know, set the world on fire, but they're always used in the, in the red zone. And I've always liked a spot start with the Seattle Seahawks tight end. Alberto, I think he's good for streaming from week to week, depending on the matchup. I have him at number 12. Josh, big on the Broncos passing offense. I year. am, Cortland man. Russ changes Cortland everything. Cortland at wide receiver 10. Cortland at wide receiver 10. And Alberto <laughs> at tight end 12. I love it. Let Russ cook, baby. I think they're going to let Russ cook there. I mean, John Elway didn't go grab Russ from, to handle the football. That's all I'm saying. I know John Will doesn't coach. I know he doesn't coach. He doesn't coach. But he, he didn't grab Russ for him to do that. Let Russ cook, baby. Let him cook. Let's move on to number 11. AJ, what do you got? My number 11 is Cole Komet. So now this one isn't really a flashy one. It doesn't sound like it's a big surprise name, but 60 catches for 612 yards last year. Yes, he had zero touchdowns. I'm aware of that. But I think he gets in the end zone this year. I think Fields takes that Chicago offense up to the next level from where they were. And I think he has a real chance to be a top two target uh, in that offense. Darnell Mooney's going to be the Darnell Mooney's going to be their target guy. But I think Cole Komet, who's eighth in the, at the tight end position in targets last year. Um, I think he's a good safety valve for fields, whether it's on rollouts, in the red zone, a, a big target that can make himself, make himself big to be able to present that in the end zone, which is why I think he scores touchdowns this year, which is why I do have him up on my list at 11. All right. In at number 11, I have Mike Isecki. I, unlike AJ, I take the bait. I see the pretty girl at the bar, and I'm going for it. I like Isecki. I, I, I think he's exciting. I think he's a playmaker. You mentioned adding Tyreek Hill. I don't see it as a bad thing. I do think that opens up the seam a little bit for Gusecki. The only you know question mark to me is whether Tua hits him consistently, and I don't think he can hits him consistently enough, obviously, to put him in the top 10, but I do think Gusecki with 73 receptions last year, he had only two touchdowns. I think he might see more of that. I, I think he might become a red zone target for the simple fact that defenses are going to be worried about you know, Edmonds coming out of the backfield and Tyreek Hill on the sweep. I, I do think there are going to be some things in that playbook that get Kaseki open. And I think he's going to have a decent year this year. All right, that does it for our 15 through 11s. Now we're going to do our 10 through 6 in bulk. AJ, I'll let you go first. What is your 10 through 6? 
Coming in at number 10, I have Dawson Knox, and it's more so about the offense, I think. You know, if he's in a different offense, he's probably down lower on my list. 4.7 targets per game last year. The volume just wasn't there, but he scored nine touchdowns. So he was touchdown Mm -hmm. dependent, but I think the explosiveness of the Bills offense is what, for me, keeps him in the top 10. At number nine, I have Goddard. It's kind of the opposite of Knox. I think Goddard is this low because of the offense that he's in where he's run heavy because if he was in a pass first offense where he was getting a ton of targets, he would be way up there because he's an ex- extremely efficient with what he does after the catch. He was tied for 15th at the tight end position in targets per game last year, but he turned that into 830 yards. So if he was in a different offense, I think he's up higher, but the fact that it's the Philly offense, he brings in A.J. Brown as the competition for targets, but I do think he should be the number two target getter in that offense. So Goddard's my number nine at eight is Zach Ertz. You had him down your list, but I mm. think it's – I look at it from a little bit different, whereas uh, Arizona got him last year, and he fit into the offense really well. He played seven games last year without DeAndre Hopkins, and he was a top ten tight end in five of them. And DeAndre Hopkins has a six-game suspension to start the year. So I think you see that, and – that's going to allow Ertz to get off to a hot start, hot start with Kyler. And then they're going to keep the ball rolling throughout the season and everything. So that's why Ertz is up there at my tight end eight. At seven, I have Hawkinson. 12 games last year, 61 catches, 583 yards, four touchdowns. The Lions bring in Chark and they draft Jamison Williams. So there's some target, target competition coming in, but I still think Goff is going to trust Hawkinson the most. And I'm going to be watching him on Hard Knocks this year. Maybe he's the Hard Knocks pick. Everyone everyone watches Hard Knocks. You, know, you got to fire it up, and it's like, oh, yeah. look at that guy go. But no, I think I think tight end seven is a reasonable spot for him because that's uh, I think that's kind of where he hovers around. He's not going to be that guy that breaks out into the top three. It's kind of what you expected from him uh, in years past. You were like, oh, this is the next big tight end to make, make that next big step. But I think he's kind of settled himself into that 7-8 floor range, so that's why he's my tight end seven. And at six, I have Darren Waller. Eight and a half targets per game last year, but that number is bound to decrease. And 20% of his targets last year came in a 19-target week one game. The offensive ability, you expect the Raiders to have an explosive offense. They're always good. We talked about Carr in multiple segments throughout it with what you're going to get from him, where he might not be the flashiest, but he's going to get it done. But now he has Adams to compete with. Renfro is still carving out his own role in, in that offense where Carr is comfortable with him. So I think you're seeing Carr get more comfortable with Renfro. So I think maybe Waller was a perennial top three tight end the past year, the past few years. I think this is where he kind of takes a step back given with that offense, but his ability still keep him right at six for me. All right, for me at number ten, I have T.J. Hawkinson. I don't like Jared Goff. I I say this a lot. You know, I always connect my wide receivers and tight ends to the quarterback. Goff is awful. Uh, he just is not a good quarterback. And although Hawkinson might be his most reliable or favorite target, you know, outside of St. Brown, who I think you know came on strong last year, I, I just don't trust it to be really consistent. If I'm being honest, with you played twelve games last year, had the injury bug a little bit, so that kind of concerns me. I do like T.J. I think he's talented. I just cannot put him higher than ten. In at number nine, I have Dawson Knox. Same reason you said, and you know, the touchdowns there. And I still think he's going to be a huge red zone threat. They're going to move the football. The Bills are going to be one of the highest scoring football teams in the league. And I just think by default, you know, you kind of grab the tight end there and you you take a chance if you're going to take a chance on somebody still young, still developing chemistry with Josh Allen, 
who knows what that's going to look like this year. Maybe he's more involved in the offense for the simple fact that A, there's a new coordinator, and, and, and B, they realize what he can do in the red zone, so why not use him more this year? I do think he has a high ceiling. I have him here at nine. It really wouldn't surprise me if you were to tell me that Dawson Knox was a top five tight end by the end of the year. It, it would not surprise me. I'm not calling it. I'm not pred- predicting it, but if it were to happen, it's not surprising. And at number eight, I have Hunter Henry, another year in that offense as the number one tight end. You mentioned John U. Smith was brought in there, and there was kind of like, well, who's going to be the guy? And it ended up being Hunter Henry. Mac looks for him in the in the red zone. Mac looks for him all the time, actually. He's one of his favorite targets, and I, I think that chemistry continues. You know, with Bill Belichick, he likes to use his tight ends. Granted, he did have Gronk for a really long time, so why wouldn't you want to use your tight ends? I, I think that chemistry continues. I don't know if he gets nine touchdowns, but I do think he gets more receptions. I think he's more involved in the offense, so it might even out in that way, where it's like he might have seven or eight touchdowns, but I do think he gets more receptions, more yards this year. And at number seven, I have Dalton Schultz. Outside of C.D. Lamb, I trust him more than anybody on the Dallas Cowboys from a receiving standpoint. I think he's very talented. I think he's developed a rapport with Dak, and I do expect that offense to be somewhat inconsistent, but at the same time, put up some points. And I think he's going to be a huge part of that. He he can run after the catch. Uh, I know a lot of people are expecting big things from him. I just, you know, seven seems just right for me. At number six, I have Dallas Goddard. I think, you know, having Zach Ertz in that offense or just around that team kind of held him back just a little bit. I know the rece- uh, the targets weren't there or, or as desirable as one might want, but the talent is definitely there. You had A.J. Brown, and I have Devonta Smith, which is going to open up the seam and maybe some uh, the middle of the field a little bit. And I do think if Jalen Hurts does progress into the quarterback that the Philadelphia Eagles want him to be, that means Goddard's going to take a step forward. He's going to see more targets, and I think he's going to be a red zone threat. Let's move on to our top five. AJ, would you like to go first? You want me to go first on this? You can go first. I think I, I feel like I've gone first on the top five. <laughs> okay, before, so we'll, let's, I'm running let's back to our series. We'll, let you, we'll give you tight ends. We'll give let's you tight ends. Up a bit. In at number five, I have Darren Waller naturally going to lose some targets due to Devontae Adams coming in. But I do think that offense is going to be better. So I do think there's going to be a few more touchdown opportunities. As long as he can stay healthy, he's a top five tight end for me. And at number four, I have Kyle Pitts. I have no idea what this Falcons offense is going to look like. He did mention that, you know, with Mariota in training camp, that there's more opportunities to make plays outside of the pocket, which I think he can thrive in because of his athleticism. And he's one of the most athletic tight ends that we've ever seen in the league. And I think that could benefit him a little bit. I just don't know how potent that offense is going to be and how much opportunity he's going to have. He only had two touchdowns last year. So, um, and that was Matt Ryan, with Matt Ryan, who I like as a quarterback. AJ, I know you're just not so crazy about him, but I expected more from him last year with his ability. In number three, I have Mark Andrews. I know he was a beast last year. I continue. I expect him to be a beast again this year. But to me, it's just from a position standpoint, he is the third best tight end in the league, in my opinion, uh, when everybody is healthy. And that Ravens offense, you know, Bateman's coming around. There might be a little bit more passing. Lamar might be passing the football a little more this year. And his connection with Mark Andrews is always there. He, there was a touchdown last year where Lamar, like, ran in circles for, like, 30 seconds and just threw it up to Mark Andrews who just so happened to be in the front of the end zone. Like that, that's going to happen. They're going to play some playground football there and he's going to be a beast again. I'm very comfortable saying that he's going to be a top three tight end and definitely someone who you should pick up in the early rounds if you can. And at number two, I have George Kittle. George Kittle to me is just an absolute beast. When healthy, I think you can make the argument that he is the best tight end in the league. Obviously you have Kelsey there, but to me, 
depending on how Trey Lance is. I, I think this could be a very dangerous offense with Kittle just reaping the benefits if he can stay healthy. He His yards after the catch is so impressive. He he does everything. To me, one of the most well-rounded tight ends in the league, if not the most well-rounded tight end in the league. And as long as he can stay healthy, to me, he's going to have a huge year. And then number one is Travis Kelsey. What are you going to say? It's Travis Kelsey. For the past few years, he's been the top dog. It just is what it is. Uh, as long as he can stay healthy in that offense with Tr- Patrick Mahomes, I don't know if I'm worried about the fact that Tyreek Hill's gone. So, you know, that over-the-top threat that opened up the seam in the middle of the field for him might not be there. Maybe Sky Moore opens it up. Maybe there's some ways with Juju you can open it up. But uh, he's too good, too big to be stopped and be contained. And that offense is just too potent. So I still have Kelsey at number one. I like your list. Can't pick it apart too much. But coming in at number five, I'm going to start with – I'm starting with Schultz. 78 receptions last year, 808 yards, eight touchdowns. Cooper leaving frees up the targets – uh, he's a great target for Dak in the red zone on rollout type plays, which you see Dallas get Dak on the move, go on either side. You know, Dalton Schultz is usually there within the lot within range at the line of scrimmage, where those are a lot that he's getting um, over a hundred targets last year, which was the six most six most of tight ends. And I think you see that number creep up a little bit uh, with Cooper going. So that's why Schultz is my number five. At four, I have Pitts. You said it. Exactly. He's one of the most athletic tight ends that we've seen in recent memory, but that one touchdown number is going to have to creep up. You said it, you're going to see him. It's going to, it's going to, it's just, it's law of averages. He's going to score more than one touchdown this year, over a thousand yards, 68 receptions as a rookie. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with Mariota. Like you said, I don't love Matt Ryan as a fantasy quarterback, but he's the type of quarterback that stays in the pocket and passes. So some of those plays, uh, maybe they can get creative and get Mariota on the move, uh, but passing from the pocket and roll him out a little bit. Maybe that's where you can get Kyle Pitts, athleticism at its peak, running full speed, catching the ball, get him, get him going. So he's my number four at three. I have Kittle. You said it exactly. He's a yards after the catch monster. He's one of the premier tight ends in the league. And it's more so just kind of, what's the San Fran offense going to look like with Trey Lance? Obviously they just re-signed Debo. We talked a little bit, little bit about his contract disputes in past episodes, but since then they did give him his extension. So we do see him. He's going to be happy now, I would assume. So that offense is still going to go a lot through him, but George Kittle is still going to get his and he's my number three at two. I have Andrews 25% target share last season. And it only goes up with uh, Hollywood leaving for Arizona. Bateman, I do think you're going to see coming to his own, but Mark Andrews is still top dog in that passing attack there. And Travis Kelsey is still my number one. I think Mark Andrews would have been my number one if Tyreek was still in Kansas City. But I think the fact that Tyreek leaves Kansas City, uh, I think that takes Kelsey up and it gives him just enough to get above Mark Andrews um, for that. But if you're comparing them at ADP, Kelsey's going to be a first rounder. If you're getting Andrews at the end of round second, I think you're getting just as much value there in Mark Andrews. I think he's going to be just as good. You're splitting hairs with those top two guys, but I think ultimately it is that passing offense that keeps Kelsey at one for me, but Andrews is right there as almost a one a interesting. So I, I was saying how I think Tyreek Hill and the threat over the top might hurt Kelsey, but you see it as a positive. Yeah, because the ball's still going to funnel to him more. I think it's going to be that type of situation where I think I trust the chiefs offense. I trust Andy Reid to get them that situations where I don't think it was really Tyreek kill taking the top off a of defense that was resulting in Kelsey getting a lot of that. I think you saw Kelsey get the attention and he still was really productive and you saw Tyreek get the attention and, and then both of those guys were still productive. So I think it's more of a fact that, yeah, he's not there taking the top off a of defense for the deep ball, but 
I trust the Kansas City offense to get the ball in the hands of their playmakers, and that's where I see that's where I see Kelsey really thriving because that offense is going to be just as explosive with or without Tyreek. I think that's just all right. Well, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe not just as explosive, but on the cusp, right? I think they're still going to find ways, and they're still going to make it, and they're still going to be pass first. Clyde Edwards-Alaire isn't going to that you know Tyreek didn't make them a pass first team. They're a pass first team with or without Tyreek, so that's why Kelsey's still my number one. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode, this week's episode of The Flex, where we gave you our top 15 tight ends. Next week, we'll be doing quarterbacks to round out our rankings, and then it's officially, like officially, officially draft season because we're well into the preseason. We're going to be evaluating preseason games and performances, and things are going to be moving, and I'm sure everybody on Fantasy Hogs, the Facebook page, you're going to have questions for us, so we'll be answering your questions as well. It's about to get real on this podcast, just like it's about to get real in fantasy football. For AJ Kelly, I'm Josh Rodriguez. Tune in next week, and until then, enjoy the preseason. Peace.